We're all born as their true self. We're born these perfect beings. At some point along the way, we're wounded. And it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when and how badly. That wounded self then becomes the false self. That's who we become. We then need to go through this journey to figure out how we're gonna deal with this false self. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber, where we dissect, it's my job to dissect peak performance from some of the most accomplished people in the world, making my tribe your tribe. My guest today, Brad Stiegel, is a GoBundance member. He's out of Peoria, Illinois. He's an investor, entrepreneur, an absolutely incredible guy. We're going to talk about his meetup. He took a meetup, like I gave him a couple ideas, and then he took it and exploded into something way bigger than I ever did. Uh, and we're going to dive into topics of faith, family, and so much more as we get into it. So, Brad, man, welcome. Honored to be here. Thank you. Honored to have you. You look so professional in your studio. Well, thank you. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, of course. Let's talk about faith for a second. We were we were chatting through email. You you sent a mm-hmm. note mentioning that this has been a topic, a topic in abundance for you. You've been talking a lot about faith, freedom, that sort of thing. What is it that what is it about faith? What's the topic? What's the discussion? The discussion, I would say. It was interesting at the Tahoe event that uh, you and I were both at, Dr. Flanagan was talking about how we're all born as as, as our true self, we're, we're born these perfect beings, right? And I think he talked about around the age of maybe six, seven, or eight, as we're um, real young kids, at some point along the way, we're wounded. And it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when and how badly. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how that wounded self then becomes the false self that we you know, that that's who we become. And that's what we, we, we then need to go through this journey to figure out how we're going to deal with this false self. And then he entered in the idea of the ego and how the ego is created to protect that wounded self. And he said the the true, the true meaning behind it all is the inner child who's just waiting on a love letter. Each of us, all we ever want is a love letter, whether it's from our mom or our dad, or that person that we're trying to pursue in a relationship, that inner child who's waiting on that love letter, you know, since they're not getting it, they call their ego into action to, to get their protection because they've been hurt. And, you know, many of us go through different, different ways of trying to solve those problems. And uh, Dr. Flanagan, it was funny, as I was sitting there listening to him talk, I thought I was at church without him talking about Jesus. It was a sermon. And I, I looked around the room and all the GoBros were, I mean, everybody was just, they were in it. They, they, they were connected. They were relating with that reality and uh, the the thing that hurts me the most is I found out about spiritual conversations happening in Tahoe later that night at the hot tub. And then I found out about Bible studies happening the next morning, uh, that groups of guys were coming together and studying the word and talking about freedom through Jesus. And I missed all of that. And it's because I wasn't paying attention enough to uh, the Yap app that we use during the events. But it, it's just incredible to me to see everybody pursuing excellence in business, pursuing excellence in relationships. And when it comes to relationships, this this wounded self that uh, is is causing the false self to exist, it's it's that it, it's that part that that key foundation. Once we can resolve some of those issues, that's where the the true relationships become even stronger. And I have found, and a lot of other GoBros have found, the Christianity Micro Tribe launched right after after Tahoe, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's been going strong. And uh, a lot of GoBros are finding that freedom through their faith and diving more into their relationship with Jesus to to deal with those wounds. The wireframe image of two adults sitting back to back in conflict with the image of two 
like lights of children facing each other inside of these wireframes, like the inner child, you know, reaching out across to the other inner child. Do you remember seeing that image yeah, that he yeah, put up? Yeah. It's a Burning Man image. I think it comes from Burning Man, but that was so powerful. And to your point about like, it's inevitable that there's going to be hurt. At, I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. Inevitable that's going to be built out of hurt. God, I hate, I hated hearing that. Mm-hmm. so much that it can't be avoided. I hated hearing that so much, but it's true. And for you, I'm wondering since that point, what is it that that change shifted? What have you been working on as a result of that discussion? Well, so since that point, uh, we started a men's group. So all of these things were, were working um, together at the same time. I was in the process of planning Ironman Prayer Lunch when I was out in Tahoe and some of the topics that we had already planned on um, discussing or addressing in our prayer lunches had to do with these things and its identity problems. Mm. And so we base it off the book, Man in the Mirror. And there are, are six different chapters throughout the Man in the Mirror. And it's men and their identity problems, men and their relationship problems, men and their money problems, men and their, um, you know, it goes on and on. Yeah. And when you think about when, when people have problems with money, it's probably because they were wounded as a young child or somewhere along their teenage years to where one, they thought they were going to run out of it. So then they become a hoarder and they're no longer, um, you know, they no longer feel like it's safe to give money away and to, to be, to be selfless with their funds, their time, money, and, and treasure. So then they hoard it or the opposite. They never got to do anything. They thought that they, you know, grew up in this environment where they were, were robbed from so many experiences. Mm-hmm. So then they go out and they blow their money like crazy. And they, they just are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And it's it's dealing with the wound that can then help you address the money problems. And the same thing with the relationships, you know, just that that image that you talked about where the adults are looking the other way, but the kids are looking towards each other inside of that image. You know, the, it's the wounds, it's the way that we've been raised, whether by our parents or wounds that we've had in past relationships that teach us how to react when situations happen. He talked about the moment too, right? Dr. Flanagan did and identifying that moment and being able to be emotionally intelligent enough to change what you do in that moment. And so that's, that's what, um, you know, I think that's where everything's headed. And I see a lot of momentum here in in my community of Peoria and it's excited. I just got back from the regional mastermind up in Madison. I think there were, there were 50 of us there. Yeah. And so uh, I reached out to to Ted Brockman and asked if we could uh, schedule a Bible study, rather it just be something that happened in the Yap app. And we had 13 guys show up that uh, we all did a study on the the parable of the talents and just talking about how we can use our talents to to do good in the world. Give me an idea on that. I'm a self self confessed not a Bible study <laughs> studier, faith bearing man, faithful man, but I'm not great at the Bible part. Give me a little bit more on that parable. Yeah, the the parable is the. Uh, um, the master gives gives one servant five talents and that servant goes out and he uses those five talents and brings back five more. So he turned his five into 10. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so the second, um, I, I believe it's two talents. I have five, two and one. Um, I apologize if I'm wrong, but uh, the, the next servant goes out and takes his two talents, gets two more, brings it back, turns your two into four. The last guy only had one talent. He is fearful of losing it. So he went and buried it. And when the master came back, he's like, master, I was so afraid of losing this talent. I, uh, I buried it. And, and here you go. I didn't lose a thing. And he says, away from you, my wicked servant. And then he gave it to the guy that, uh, that already had more. And so what, what the parable tells us to do is look at the talents that we have 
and go out and grow things. Let's let's use the uh, ability to, um, you know, in this scenario, having podcasts, let's use our ability to attract audiences to our podcast to further the kingdom of God. Let's look at our ability to have meetups. And my, you know, I, I was able to create a meetup for real estate. And through my quiet time with Jesus, I began feeling the nudge and the urge, like, why aren't you doing this for me? You're teaching all these people how to invest in real estate, but what are you doing for the kingdom of God? And that was a gut check that I, you know, I, I had, I had a choice. I could either do something or not. And it was, it was incredible, Jamie, the day I decided to start saying yes to those nudges, saying yes to Jesus, as easy as it was to start this real estate meetup. When I started working on the Ironman prayer lunch, man, things just started to happen. And our first one had 180 people show up to it. It was 180 men hungry to learn how they could be stronger men and, uh, you know, fight for the kingdom of God. It was incredible. Let me ask this question first. What are your talents? Define them for me. So we do a spiritual gifts assessment is uh, what we do at our church. And our small group leader had us do the spiritual gift assessment uh, probably about a year and a half ago. And mine came down to hospitality. I have the spiritual gift of giving. I like to give. And um, the other spiritual gift, I forget the exact word of it. Basically, it means the ability to bring people together, right? And so for, for me to organize a meetup and talk to all my friends and create excitement about a meetup, find a speaker and get, get the buzz happening and get people to show up. That's why the first, the first meetup I did um, after listening to your podcast on bigger pockets, we had 80 guys show up to the first one. It just comes naturally to me. You know, I, I love, I love collecting dots, my wife says, and then I like connecting dots. <laughs> and so I'm always I'm always listening to people. I love relationships. I want to know what you need. And then I find this other guy that has what you need and boom, I connect the dots. That, that just brings me so much joy. And so it's, it's been emphasized even more. It's like, you know, I've got, I've got this silver bullet over here and I know how to help you with these emotional wounds that you're dealing with from childhood. So I'm just always listening. And when I, when I hear that somebody has got a, a, a problem of some sort or an emotional wound, it's like, I've got the solution for that one. And it's over here. Like, let's just connect these things. And so I would say that's what, that's what my gifts are. Those, you know, on bigger pockets, they always talk about things that are light mm. or things that are heavy. Yeah. Creating events, doing events. Yeah. You know, during COVID, we were sitting inside the house, scared to talk to anybody. And we saw these families walking by with their kids. And I'm like, actually, who are those parents? And who are those kids? I have an idea. Let's start a block party so we can get to meet them all. And so now we're three years into block parties. So creating events and bringing people together, it just, it just comes naturally for me. That's very cool. Has it ever felt heavy at any point? The meetup, the Ironman meetup, the block parties, is there any moments that feel heavy? And if so, what's happening in that, in that moment? I would say the the heaviest moments are when I'm trying to figure out what's next. I had a one-year anniversary party and I had some guy come in and deliver a keynote presentation or a keynote speech. um, And he crushed it. It was you. And so then when it came the next year and I had to figure out what I was going to do for year number two, I just, I, I decided not to do it. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, that's it's tough. It's tough though. Each month, you know, I'm doing the meet the real estate meetups every single month. That's 12 speakers a year. And so now we're three years into it. It's hard to like, what content is going to deliver value to these people that are taking time out of their day to come to our lunch. Very flattering. 
Thank you. It's very kind of you to say. I actually, you you sent uh, you sent me a video of somebody in the audience saying something about the presentation from the year ago. It meant so much. Like I, really, like I, you know, I went in, I said what I said. You know, it was fun driving over to way further than I realized it was to drive. I should have <laughs> taken your buddy up on flying me out, but got there. It was great. You guys put me up downtown, which was amazing. And um, um, to to hear some of the stuff after it was truly humbling. So you're you're right about your gifts, hospitality, and giving and. I don't know if it's called community, but you know, congregation, maybe yeah. bringing people together. Those gifts were hundred percent on full display and it's really interesting on what's next. So my question then is how do you balance keeping it light and still progressing? I think the way that it stays light is you just make sure that you, you stay in your sweet spot. And I also think the lightness comes from, from doing the right thing. So mm. if you, if you're always helping people and you're always, always doing the right thing for others. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's a selfless um, act of doing like you're, you're not doing it for yourself. I think it becomes heavy when it's, it's something that you're doing for yourself, but if you're just constantly giving and trying to help other people grow and help other people live better lives, I don't know how that could ever become heavy. Yeah. What's the secret to a thriving meetup for you? Besides that, I get the intentional part. Meaning your your intention is to add value and and you do a great job with that. I was there and witnessed it. But tactically, what's the secret of of a thriving meetup? What is it? What are some elements? Somebody's because a lot of people are interested in this. I got a lot of outreach after that podcast because I talked about running a meetup and a lot of people see the value in it. I think to your point, most are looking at like the what's in it for me, maybe. So those meetups don't last very long, in my opinion. You know, because yeah. it's like it, I'm not getting something within three months. Uh, stop. But You've maintained uh, you've maintained your meetup yearly for years now, and it's it's thriving like anything. So I understand that it it aligns with your gifts. It's something that you love doing. It's your way of serving. I get the philosophical part, if you can call it that. That might not be the right word. Yeah. But what about the tactical part? What is it about your meetup that you're able to sustain and get people to come back month after month after month? It's beyond just you being a great guy. Like, what are some of the tactics that somebody would needs to understand if they're going to get into this space? It's the consistency. Yeah. And so we do it on the second Tuesday of every single month and the consistency of reminding people that it's happening, the consistency of um, creating the graphics, putting them on Facebook. It's the consistency of every time you're out talking to people, any new person I bump into and they're asking me about real estate investing, I'm inviting them to the meetup. Um, I, I think it's just always being at the top of your mind and then always telling others about it. And I, I think that's the main thing is just the consistency. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Yesterday I had lunch uh, with somebody who flew down to Bryce Stewart, who's a go abundance guy. He's down here in the DR met with him and his wife two days ago, actually th- uh, Tuesday, we're recording this on Thursday. And um, he was, we're talking about podcasting is that's my passion and what I love and all of that stuff. And, and he said, um, you know, w- he's like, I don't know. So what is the, what's like the new avenue in podcasting, like the category that's not yet created. I'm like, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but what I do know is that the secret to podcasting is doing it for a long time, meaning it is the consistency. It's the yeah. same thing. Like you have to continue to show like there's, there's what two and a half million. Jesse Itzler said, this is like two and a half million shows in Apple podcasts that are out there. Wow. Like one and a half million of them have one episode, one episode. And there are tens, hundreds of thousands more that have 12 or 20 or 80 or whatever. And then stop. You know, we're on 300 and something on this podcast. So that's the consistency that draws in the listenership, that draws in people to the meetup. But on the other end of that, I, I'm curious. So 
thank you for that. Philosophically, I understand the the how you create a great meetup and tactically how you create a great meetup. In additionally, philosophically or fulfillment wise, I understand the return that you get. You know, the it's just it's fun. You love it. It feels yeah. good. But what other return have you derived from the meetup? Is there a is there a more of a, a tactile return? That a financial benefit or financial. Yeah. Either yeah. one, like whatever it might be partnership might not even just be like directly financial, but are, what are some of the actual returns that you've gotten from the meetup? So it's been cool to watch people from the meetup that yeah. didn't know each other beforehand. And that. now they're partnering together and doing deals, deals yeah. bigger than they ever would have dreamt to do. And yeah. so you hear stories like that all the time. We've had young guys come in right out of high school, 19, 20 year olds, and they literally started rehab companies <laughs> uh, doing cleanouts and doing all the things for landlords. And that's how they ramp themselves into a business. And now they're doing remodeling and they're doing, have moving companies. And Is that the young guns, Was that the, the young gun, the, no, right? no yeah. the, the young guns are the short-term rental guys. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so now they're managing, I think over 40 short-term rentals and they're starting to buy properties themselves too. All from coming to your meetup, right? Yeah. That's the cool part. Like they yeah. can relate it to this meetup being put on by you. So yeah, yeah I love that. So again, that's all other people's stuff. Um, we had a guy from the meetup that was getting emails about deals and one came across his uh, desk that was, uh, it was um, 11 duplexes. So 22 units outside of an area that we typically look at a little over a million dollars. So it's too big for him to consume. Mm. And so he emailed it over to me. He's like, Hey, did you know about this? And Mike and I hadn't seen it yet. And so as soon as we saw it, Mike goes, we've got to go look at that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went and looked at it the next day and wrote a full price offer right there, right then and there. And it's been a, a great project for us that people that were selling it own the nursing home around it. And so they didn't really understand investing in real estate. And so that's why we bought it full price. No questions asked uh, same day. And it's worth 50% to 70% more than what we paid for it. Wow. The day we bought it. Yeah. Wow. And if it wasn't for the meetup, that guy that had that email in his inbox, he wouldn't have been thinking of us. But since we had been helping him grow, he thought of us like, oh, maybe Mike and Brad would like this. How do you structure? I, mean, I, I attended the one where you were gracious enough to invite me to come speak. How do you structure the meetup on a monthly basis to continually add value? What is it that you're doing at these meetups that that people keep coming back for? So we, ha we have a different speaker come in to speak on a different topic. Typically, we found in the beginning when we had people come come just to do a presentation that it was sometimes intimidating. Not everybody's wired to be able to do that, especially real estate investors that are, you know, a, a lot of us are numbers people. And so getting up in front of large crowds isn't the, the most fun thing. So I literally do a podcast format to where I'm sitting in the front of the room with them. Smart. I've, yeah, I've already met with them beforehand and I can kind of lead and direct the conversation. Some We've had some speakers that kind of got off track too. So it gives me the ability to bring it back in because I know the audience, I know who the people are out there and I know what adds value to them. So then I can try to pull that value out of the speakers. And then usually 10, five, 10 minutes before the speaker comes up, I try to share something myself of something that's on my heart or my mind that I think could add value, whether it's goal setting leading into the new year and giving uh, giving people different uh, pointers on how to set effective goals or um, you know, on how to do a, a deal for $0 down, yeah. different things like that. Is networking structured in any way or is it more there's time for it? What is what is like the the networking portion look like? So people come in early and network and then we intentionally leave 15 minutes at the end uh, where we we encourage people to network. Um, I, I love talking. I always give the same pointers. I'm, I'm super, 
super repetitive with them. But I always say, if you're super shy and you're not sure who to go talk to, find somebody standing in the corner that doesn't have anybody to talk to. Like they love to talk to you. So just go up and talk to them. And uh, oftentimes when we're in networking situations, we're so worried about what we're going to say next. We're so worried about what our story is going to be. We, we want so badly to be interesting. And I say, forget about being interesting. Just be interested in the other person and ask good questions. And that's, that's how you're going to get the most out of networking. So we, we kind of coach the new people along the way to help them be more effective. That's such great advice, man. I love that. And, and you, you're, I learned this running a meetup. I, you know, I had speakers come in every month and, you know, we did a theme of like, let us build your team. It was a multifamily meetup, more specific, not, not just real estate, but more multifamily focused. So it was like, here's a commercial broker that's going to speak. And then you can contact them. That could be your broker. Here's a commercial lender. Here's an insurance person. Here's a, a lawyer. Here's an, you know, whatever. Right. So each speaker, each month was somebody different. And to your point, four or five into them, I was finally like, I, I got to facilitate these talks because, yeah. you know, all, with great intention and even with great prep, you know, they, they go up, they have a slideshow and then it just, it's like off the rails. Like I, yeah. I remember the <laughs> remember commercial lender, like we were really clear. Like it was like the perfect topic. And it was like, oh my God, they're going to love this. Like we even went through the bullets, everything he was going to say. And when he went up there, he started by talking about his team, which is fine. Like introducing his company and his team. And then it just kind of kept going. And like 30, 40 minutes in, we're hearing about like, you know, his team and the faith-based organization. Like that's all beautiful, but it's not adding value to these people. So I facilitated, I tell that to people all the time, unless you, unless you've got a keynote, somebody who knows how to take the mic is paid to do it. Somebody that you know understands the idea of a key, unless you've got a real keynote, uh-huh. facilitate every speaker. I think that's yeah, brilliant. I you agree. know, yeah, yeah. The other thing, it's funny, like personality stuff. So I love the uh, quirky, fun, goofy game. So we would do like book exchanges, we would do ugly sweater contests, stuff like that to facilitate networking. We've done know? that around Christmas time. Did you? Yeah. Uh-huh. What'd you give away? Let me see if I win on this. What did you give away? Anything? Do you remember? I, I don't remember. Did you give anything away? I think, I think it may have just been cash. Maybe how much, how much, how much bucks, 50 iPad. Oh, iPad. Oh, iPad. You want up me really good. (laughs) (laughs) iPad to the winner. No, it's, but it's fun, right? It's just, it was, was, I think we had a a sponsorship that paid for like an iPad. I'm like, yeah, awesome. Ugliest sweater got an iPad. It was fun, man. Like I think making these things a social gathering versus just a real estate cold meeting is what you've done really at least what i saw man, that was a community that wasn't yeah. a meetup that wasn't an info session that was a straight on community i think it was amazing and a young guy came up to me and asked if we would ever consider doing after our socials and i said absolutely would you like to coordinate it <laughs> and so now andrew is he does our socials once a month and so we have an after hour social i protect my evenings and weekends a little bit more than others because of my family so i'm not always there but yeah. with or without me, we're doing socials once a month for Midwest REI. So it's pretty cool. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you're getting tremendous value. I want to make sure that with this information, you have a way in which you can integrate it into your life. Best way to do that is being a member of any of our GoBundance communities. Just go to GoBundance.com, submit your application. No matter your net worth, we've got the community for you. Back to the show. All right. So you're scratching this itch with meetups of, you know, uh, community and and giving and hospitality, these things that are natural to you. How does that play into your real estate investing career? What 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 do you what is your role with you and Mike, who's your partner, who's an amazing guy? Terrible jokes, all dad jokes, but he's an amazing guy. Um, love you, Mike. It's well, it's the same three jokes is the problem. That's true. Over and over. <laughs> <laughs>
That's true. He Love thinks they're hilarious. Yeah. He yeah. thinks they're funny though. So that's, that's good. He, it's, it's good for him. But what is your role in that partnership then? How do your gifts show up in the partnership that you have with Mike? You know, what's interesting about our partnership, if the people that have listened to this pod- podcast up to this point, they would think that I was more of the visionary and they think that I was the guy out getting deals and doing all the relationship work, right? Because that's what I've been talking about is relationship. That's a Mike energy. It feels like that's Mike. Yeah. And so again, um, because of our partnership, which, which is amazing. I didn't think I would ever go into partnership with anybody. I was a big Dave Ramsey fan when I was younger mm-hmm. and Dave always says the only ship that won't sail is a partnership. <laughs> and yeah. I used to believe that. And, but now that I've been working with Mike since 2020, I don't think I would ever consider doing what I'm doing now by myself mm. because uh, our partnership's so great. But because even though I'm good at something, he's so much better at that one thing than I am, then I had to find my different role. And so I've I've become the in our in our partnership, I've become the analytical operations guy because I'm in in addition to being the the personality that can run a meetup, I'm very detailed. And so the consistency aspect of all of this stuff is easy for me to remember and do over and over. But yeah, I'm I'm the back-end operations guy. I'm I'm the guy right now trying to put to work the EOS systems in our property management company. And Mike's bigger than life out there dragging in deals, killing stuff. And does that ever frustrate you? It doesn't because I have all these other outlets to 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 do those things. No, no, no. Uh, bad, bad, I should have qualified the question. Does it ever like I, I, what I'm picturing you talking about? Cause I know Mike enough. Yeah. Mike's similar to me, like, you know, head in the clouds, rolling through life, gregarious, outgoing, backslapping, having people. He's, he's just, he's the guy's guy, right? He's the life of the party. Yeah. That's me. That's, that's my personality type. So when it comes to like process, you know, uh, uh, details, you know, taxes, <laughs> asset management, I don't know. I don't know. It's on a spreadsheet. I'm sure somewhere or, or my partner's taking care of it. Does that ever frustrate you? Do you and he ever get in conflict over like, you know, you are the grounding force and you have to continually pull this hot air balloon down. Does that ever frustrate you? No. Why? Because he's, he's so aware of who he is and I'm so aware of who I am that we both, you know, there are also times where I'm trying to be too detailed and get too in the weeds when he'll pull me back up out of the weeds. He's like, yeah, I, I get it, but let's, let's go, let's go do another deal. We don't have to worry about all the details right now. Let's just go. But on the flip side, if, if he's not paying enough attention to the details and, and we need to get further into the weeds, I can pull him back in the weeds with me. And it's just, it's, it's a even, you know, give and take at all times. And we don't, we don't get upset with each other. It's incredible. Is it, is it essential that when one of you is pulling the other in order to avoid conflict, is it essential when one of you is pulling the other out of the weeds into the weeds that they actually do or execute on whatever you're pulling them towards? So in other words, if Mike's pulling you out of the weeds, but you refuse to, would that be where conflict exists, but you don't have it because you actually abide by his wishes in that moment and vice versa? When you're pulling him into the weeds, does he actually execute, even though he doesn't love it, does he actually execute on being in the weeds and that's what avoids conflict or makes the partnership strong? Yeah. And there are other times where, so we've, we've pursued a, a couple of deals where I felt resistance and I felt um, red flags sooner than he did. And it would have been natural for me to start pulling back and resisting, but I just let us, I let us continue down the road. And we ended up getting to the point of realizing both of us realized Mike included that it wasn't going to work. It wasn't a good deal. And so it's been interesting as we go through processes like that, because 
I then reflected with Mike. I'm like, well, so I started feeling resistance here, here, and here before you did. And this is why. And so then we have the conversation. Well, when you start feeling those types of resistance, let's be more vocal about it. And instead of me just saying, no, 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 the first time it happens and going through the process, then we can look back at the entire process in general and learn from it. And the next time when I start pumping the brakes, Mike's going to be more open-minded to understanding why I'm pumping the brakes Mm. and vice versa. It's sometimes it's a matter of giving and letting the other person do what they want to do because they feel so passionate about it. But then once you get through the entire process, going back and reflecting upon it so that you can learn so that the next time you go into a similar situation, you don't have to waste as much time or energy. How intentional were you in the beginning of your partnership such that it serves the strength of your partnership today? Maybe another way of asking that is, are you where you are today because of how much work and preparation, operating agreement, discussions till you're blue in the face over what is what, the whole talk about like plan for the divorce before your divorce. Is that the strength of your partnership today? Or was it more ready, fire, aim, and you've learned along the way? Ready, fire, aim. Talk through that a little bit. Yeah. So neither one of us are that person, (laughs) right? And uh, it's it's funny when we talk to the guys or uh, the guys and girls that come to our meetup and they're like, how did you decide to do this deal? Like, how how do you take down a, a 64 unit? without hardly doing any analysis. And we'll, we'll show them our napkin math is what we talk about all the time. And so we're, we're definitely not as buttoned up as a lot of people when it comes to the details. That's why I find it necessary for me to lean that direction because we know Mike's the exact opposite of it. So I naturally have to, to, to fill that void in, in our, in our partnership, but you know, our, our very first deal, Mike likes to tell everybody that I stalked him primarily because I did, because I listened to all these podcasts, like, how do you find a mentor in real estate? And you find somebody that's at a, at a higher level or a different, different place in you that you want to be at. And you just befriend them. You start being friendly. You start being nice. You make them aware of who you are. And then you begin to prove to them that you're out there hustling. And so I put myself into some networking situations, got to know Mike good at, took him out to lunch once. And then from there on, every time I looked at a deal, I was texting him. Hey, Mike, I'm going to look at this fourplex today. Hey, Mike, I'm going to look at this duplex today. Hey, you wouldn't believe this. I just rented this property for $200 a month more than we thought it was going to. Hey, I just wholesaled this deal for 40 grand. And all of a sudden, Mike starts thinking, who's this Brad guy? Like, he's, he's get, he gets it, right? Yeah. And so ironically, Mike's going through a syndication about an hour from where we live of a 150-unit complex that's just mind numbing as he explains it. Like it it was such a hard project. He couldn't even comprehend doing one thing more at the time. And this 24 unit apartment complex falls in his lap. Mm. Amazing deal that he just can't resist. And in his mind, he's like, how am I going to do this? Well, since I'd been quote stalking him, my name came to mind. And so he, he reached out to me. He's like, Hey, would you ever consider partnering on this deal? Well, absolutely. And I didn't ask him anything. I just said, yes. How much money do you need? And that was my opportunity to prove to him that if he wanted to partner with me, that it was going to be easier than it was without me. How much did and you have to invest in that first deal? I think, I think we had to put 30 grand a piece into it. Okay. The, yeah. the, um, how long was that call it courtship from the time that you maybe met Mike to the time that you did that first deal with him? How long was that? A year and a half. You know, talk about consistency. Yeah. So I, I 
I, I like frameworks. I like coming up with like little, it just helps me remember things. And I, I hope it's helpful for other people. Like I talk about, you know, people ask about quitting your job. I like do the three C's. Like what are the three C's? I'm like, get clarity, build confidence in a new identity, find a community of people you're becoming. Those are the three C's, right? Clarity, confidence, community. This is what I call the three A's. I like three, I guess, in one letter. So, and I, people say this, like, how do I find a mentor? I'm like, first ask, ask somebody, not maybe to be a mentor, but like, do you mind if I take you to lunch or get to know you or can we have a chat or whatever? Maybe just ask, have a conversation. The next is act. That's the most important one. Mm -hmm. Like prove that you're doing what they said. Like mentors love when they say, you know what I would do is I would read this book, read the book. Uh, you know, I would, I would, you know, you should, you should look at, if you're just getting started, go, go wholesale properties, wholesale the property, right? Like that's the act yeah. phase. And then the last one I call is acquire. And this to me is like pay for it one way or another. So hire the, hire them as a coach, uh, go get them coffee every day, buy their coffee every day, put 30 grand into a deal of theirs or, or invest in a syndication that they're doing as a passive investor. So you could, they could see your series, right? So ask, act, acquire, and you did all of those over 18 months An investment that's paid off in spades. I would say that's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. What was Mike's experience before you? I mean, obviously he was doing deals, but like, was he fairly new or was he doing a whole bunch before you, you kind of found him? I think when I found him, he had ownership in close to 700 units. Wow. Where did you, yeah. was this at a meetup, a local meetup that you met him? I, I met him at an open house for his property management company. So again, this is just me finding ways to put myself in your favorite word, proximity. Yeah. How can I put myself in proximity with Mike good at? Yep. And I knew PLS was his property manager. I saw they were having a ribbon cutting for their new location. So I showed up. Did you say and, POS is his property manager? No, PLS, oh. Professional Leasing Services. <laughs> I was going to say that's like a that's like a Mike Dad joke in and of itself. The whole name <laughs> of his company is POS Management. That would yeah. be amazing. Oh, I wish it were now. Um, on the partnership part, yeah. so you you backdoored your way in as just you know two good dudes who got together. You you uh, you stalked them and everything. If you were giving people advice now, because a lot of people have that fear of, you know, the only ships that don't sail or whatever are partnerships. Um, what are the things that work today for you and Mike that you would give advice to somebody starting? Like what, what needs to be in place for a good partnership with the, the experience and the knowledge of what a good partnership is today for you to give to somebody that's starting out, maybe looking for a partner? What are some, some, some tights, some things they need to do? I think ethics is the main thing. When I, when I think about partnerships that don't work, it's because one person has one idea of what's ethical and the other person doesn't. And Mike and I are both on the same page when it comes to ethics. How do you get there? How do you, how do you vet that upfront? Well, like you say, that, Hey, what are your ethics? No, that was a year and a half of relationship. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing good in this world comes without relationship and yeah. that relationship then leads to trust. And so it's got to be genuine. You know, I, I used to sell radio advertising. It was my day job, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember training this new person. I walked into this business and we're trying to sell radio commercials and we're just having a great conversation and, and digging into their, their problems. And we leave and she goes, man, Brad, that was incredible. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, it actually seemed like you really wanted to help them grow their business. I'm like, I did. Like, what do you mean? It, that's, that's, that's our job. Like, you've got to truly care about people and truly want to help people. And as long as in a relationship, when you're trying to find a mentor, if you're like, you're trying to understand that person, you're trying to have a relationship, you try to get to a place of trust. And once you've got that trust developed and you know that you're on the same page, then the other things to look for is what, what are your strategies in investing? Mm. And so, you know, we're going to buy this 24 unit apartment complex 
do you want to hold it for 30 years or 20 years or however long it's going to take to get it paid off? Do you plan to, to fix it up, refinance it, pull the equity out and go buy more properties? Because if you're not on the same page with those types of things, that can cause a lot of problems as well. Mike and I both come from a, a small town where we just want to save all of our money and go invest in more real estate. So we're good with 1031 and forever and just buying more properties. And so we're on the same page there. So that it just all works. All right. So ethics, alignment of values. What else? What else is is something somebody needs to needs to that's that's great. I love the point you made about build the relationship before you go into the partnership. Cause then yeah. you're not gonna like somebody can't tell you their ethics. They have to display them or their yeah. values. They display them for you. You get to see firsthand. But anything else that jumps to mind for somebody who's vetting a partnership or considering it? You've got to like them. <laughs> You've got to enjoy the idea of hanging out with this person. Yeah. Uh, Mike and I hang out on the weekends. Mike and I go on GoBundance trips together. Like I made Mike join GoBundance so that it, like we can go all do, do the fun things together. And yeah. so I that's super important because if it's going to be a painful experience, it's not it's not good for anybody. No matter how much money you're making, it's got to yeah. be fun. That's a great point. There's what? Is there four or five people in Peoria now in GoBundance? Yeah, and we brought a guest up to uh, Madison with us as well, so we might get uh, somebody else to sign up. You're a, you're a super connector. Like you said, you, 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 you were the, the, the light of fuse and like, there's you, there's Mike. Um, yeah. Oh man. I'm forgetting some of the Doug, names, Doug Huff. all of a sudden what's up? Doug Huff and Bob Wolsey. Yep. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So they jump in, right. This yep. is all after you started, you're the, you're the godfather of Peoria. So our, our goal, which I think we may have already, you should do some research. I think we've got the higher highest percentage of go bros per capita in the entire country. Wow. Peoria's pretty small. We've got it four. is. That's true. Well, maybe five soon, like you said. Yeah, soon five. How'd it go for the guest? He loved it. What was, I'm curious, the guest, was he, was he all in like, oh yeah, I can't wait to go. Or was it like, yeah, I'll go check it out. Like, was it, what was the the attitude of the guest going into a, uh, an event like that? I'd say somewhere in between those two and closer to all in. Hmm. Um, it's, it's somebody who was there when you spoke. It's somebody who's been talking about the one sheet with us probably hmm. for the last year and a half. Yeah. Like he, he gets the accountability side of things. He just quit his day job, I think three months ago. Nice. So now he's an investor and a real estate agent. So he's ready for that next um, stage of his life. And right now he's just trying to determine what, what group it's going to be that he's going to join to help him get there. So let's wrap around to faith one more time. Uh, how have you always been, I don't know, have you always identified as being a Christian, a devout Christian? I don't know if that's the right phrasing, but you get my point. Yeah, like, have yeah. you always been somebody who has been, you know, uh, uh, Bible study involved in the church, a devout Christian, or is it more of a recent thing for you? I've always been a Christian and um, I, I was saved when I was in high school, freshman in high school and, you know, did all the things, went to church three times a week. And I, I was just kind of just living out my faith, but not wanting to grow. And so I would relate it for all of us GoBros as being that person that's got the six figure job, just uh, enjoying it, but not not pushing for growth, not looking at the six pillars that uh, are represented by GoBundance and not not looking to see how you can get to the next level. And so I would say it was about seven years ago, I joined a small group and that small group was uh, led by our senior pastor. And it was through that experience that I, I started to realize that these spiritual gifts, um, the faith that I had, um, that I'd had for all these years, I wasn't getting the most out of it. And I definitely wasn't doing the things that I should be doing to be the most pleasing to God. And I, in, in addition, like 
my friends, people that that I could have a positive impact on and help them have better lives by by showing them the the things that I've done to to find freedom and helping them find freedom. I, I wasn't doing those things. And so it's been a progressive thing. I ironically enough, my wife passed me, I would say at one point in our spiritual journey. And so that that was a period of my life that caused a little bit of maybe conflict, definitely weirdness in our family, because it's it's my place as as the as the man to be the spiritual leader of my family. Mm-hmm. And so I went through a a, a a growth phase in my faith to get back repositioned where I needed to be. And you know, it just it's it's been great. And you know, through a, we've got a group of about ten guys or ten guys and girls, ten couples five couples, 10 people that meet every other week. And we're just always pushing each other, you know, talking about the different ways that we're, you know, storming the gates of hell, because there's a lot going on in this world right now. And uh, we've got a lot to offer and a lot to teach people to, to find freedom. There's a lot going on. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. A lot, a lot going on. Um, you mentioned uh, your wife passing. You meant you're talking about Ashley, right? Yeah. Yep. Eight years married to Ashley, obviously, you, have a, you know, uh, I think five-year-old Samantha, your daughter. Yeah. You were as a Christian, though you were divorced once before. Was that yeah. was that a, was that harder because of your faith? What was that like for you going through that? If you were if you were a faith based guy, did it was it just hey, it was on my path, or was that a shameful event for you? Oh, there's definitely shame uh, involved in that, and just trying to to reflect on it and try to figure out, you know, what was it that I did wrong? Where could I have been a better man to not allow this to happen, and you know, in my marriage and that was that was one of the the lowest points in my life. Was what did I you learn? What was it? What did you conclude on those questions? What could you have done differently or better? Or what could you have done to be a better man in that marriage? I wasn't as vulnerable as I needed to be. You know, mm-hmm. when I when I think about the same things we're talking in Go Abundance all the time, I I wasn't emotionally vulnerable to my to my wife, and so that's the thing that I've been leaning into so much now with Ashley, and and it's been it's been a blessing for us to to both try to be vulnerable. And, you know, I was talking to Luther, Luther Hagen up in yeah. at the Madison event. Great and we, were, we were talking about, I told him it's like the most vulnerable I ever feel with my wife is when I pray out loud with her. Mm. And when you think about sharing your heart at that level, you, you know, you're speaking to your heavenly father, praying over your wife of the things that you, the, the, the things that you want for her and, and the things that uh, you're, you're grateful for about her. Like that, that's a level of vulnerability that I never thought was possible and that I never um, even tried to discover in my first marriage. And so that's the one area that I would have focused on uh, being, being better at. Is there any risk in your opinion of vulnerability crossing a threshold where you dilute your masculinity with your wife? No, not with your wife. No. With others? I I think it all depends on the relationship. So I think you could dilute your masculinity with people that don't know you well. Hmm. Is yeah. it real or perceived though? Is it, you're saying their perception of you as a yeah, perception. man? Yeah, okay. perception. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent perception. Okay. So how, how do you dilute yourself perception wise as a, just crying in public or like, what does that look like? I can't say that I've ever been in a position where I felt that I've done that hmm. in front of other people. But I, I definitely think it's possible to do that. Um, you know, one example could be that if if you're going through a really tough time and you're uh, weeping and sobbing around a bunch of men that don't know you and they don't know the backstory and they don't know why, I think sure. that, that that could definitely cause that to happen. 
But if you're around a group of guys like go bros or people in your small group or people from church and, and they know what you're struggling with and, and you're crying with them and, and bearing your soul and um, looking for, for people to lean on, I, I don't think there's any part of that you need to be worried about. Why do you believe you can't cross that threshold of diluting your masculinity with your wife? I think when I become more vulnerable with my wife, and this is my wife, so not all wives might be the same, but I think it makes me more masculine to her hmm. because that's that's what she wants. She she wants to know me at a level that nobody else knows me. She wants me to share those those areas of my life that I that I feel broken, those those parts of my life that I'm uncertain about. So when she knows more of that, she feels like I'm more of a man. Is that what your ex-wife wanted? Or is this what you've learned with your current wife that you think you should have applied to your ex-wife? I haven't asked her. So do you keep in uh, touch? Uh, we if we see each other, it's fine. Um, she had uh, some kids as well. So I stay in touch with her daughter. And so I'm still in touch with my ex-stepdaughter, I guess is um, what you would say. But yeah. you know, we we still both live in Peoria. Um, I went to Brooke's wedding and my ex-wife was there and Ashley and I had a conversation with her, but I wouldn't say we've ever had uh, deep, meaningful conversations about the reason our marriage ended. Might be a little bit left field at this point. Did she yeah. ever marry or no? Is she still single? No, she's still single. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Very cool. Interesting stuff, man. I appreciate you diving into all of these different categories. I know yeah. we kind of rambled through some things, but we got meetups, how to, how to execute a meetup partnerships, the spirituality side of it, man, layers, layers to men out in Peoria, Illinois. All right, let's dive into these abundance related questions. We have six pillars, as you know, bucket list adventure, horizontal income, age defying health, genuine contribution, authentic relationships, and extreme accountability. In which of those pillars are you, Brad Stiegel, crushing it? I would say uh, horizontal income and financial freedom. Mike and I started in uh, 2020, so in the middle of COVID, buying a 24-unit apartment building, and him and I are up to 200 units now. And it's it's not stuff we've syndicated; it's just stuff that that we've purchased and 1031 and refinanced, and it's been incredible. I was able to quit my job two years ago. Yeah. And in addition to the 200 units, I've got the 49 units that I started with that I had been building along the way before I met Mike. And then him and I, along with another guy, um, bought a $9 million commercial portfolio last year. So it's it's just been crazy. And um, it's just been blowing my mind. It's I never would have dreamt back in 2020 before I met, started doing business with Mike that I would be where I am today. Yeah, That's cool. It's incredible. Don't let him yeah, hear that. We're doing the Belize project too. That you I was and I about, about. Yeah, I mean. I was about to ask you about that. So the $9 million portfolio is in Peoria? Yeah, it's okay. a, a mix of commercial buildings. All right. And then on top of that, right, I was, I was about to go there. Like, talk about Belize. Tell me about Belize. So we bought uh, three lots down in Belize in an area called Mahogany Bay, which is uh, right at the tip of Ambergy Key. Yep. And we're just in the process of finalizing the builder that we're going to work with. Those uh, the I know there's some GoBros that are investing down there right now. There was just a micro-tribe call that had somebody from Belize talking about it. So if anybody's familiar, it's uh, in Mahogany Bay and we are street one of phase two. And we're going to be right at the very end of that street. The plan yes. is to build two five-bedroom houses with a duplex in the middle. What Can you just real quick, and I know you, I, we had talked about this deal before, but um, I love, I mean, I love Belize. I love everything that you guys are doing, but what, when you, when you are going to build these, what's the purpose of them? What's the ROI you anticipate? Kind of give me some, some, some data on this on this build that you're doing? So the purpose is to, um, you know, when you go to Belize, you feel 
you feel that things aren't quite where they're going to end up yet. Like this, this is a developing country that is beautiful. It's English speaking. I mean, it's got so many things going for it. And we chose Belize because we feel like we're, we're buying at the right time. We're building at the right time. And these properties are going to appreciate so much. It's not even going to be funny. Um, the plan is to, once we get them built, while there's still construction going on in this development, is we'll do long-term rentals. And then once everything gets stabilized, the hammers stop swinging and uh, it's a little bit more uh, quiet, we're going to do short-term rentals there. And the plan is just to cash flow the units, um, get some aspects of uh, lifestyle to uh, play into that as well, go down there and travel some. And the people that invest with us will be able to go down and, and use the use the properties when they're available. And so, yeah, have some That's fun. That's really cool. Yeah. Have some waterfront property in Belize. And yeah. Yeah. It's a lifestyle investment on top it's of being lifestyle. a cash flowing investment. Absolutely. So I love that. Yeah. Uh, which one of those six pillars do you need more accountability or support in? We were just having this conversation up in Madison. And uh, for me, it's the age-defying health. And I, I'm not overweight. I'm, I exercise a lot. I just want more out of that part of my life. Um, I'm not I'm not eating the way that I want to. What is it that you want then? Do you, what, what, is there a result that you're looking for, an outcome, a, a metric? Yeah, so the metric with weight is I want, I want to be under 180 pounds. And I, I, ride mount, I ride bicycles a lot. So I used to race bicycles. And so I go on, I go on trips all the time with uh, groups of guys to go mountain biking. And I, I want to be able to do that at a more competitive level. And so by losing weight and getting in more miles every year on my bike, that's one way to do that. But really the the thing that I'm battling right now is just cutting sugar out of my life. And so I was having this conversation with some uh, guys that I was doing my one sheet discussion with up in Madison. It's like, I, ju I just, I don't know why I can accomplish everything else in, in, in my life. And you look at, you look at my one sheet and there's one category where all of my goals are just yellow instead of green. Like I need, I need to win there. And so that's where I need more accountability. The, I did the carnivore. I'm still sort of carnivore right now. And I was the same flour and sugar, cut out flour and sugar, but I learned, well, cut out flour and sugar and it never worked. In fact, it felt like I got more of it. I would eat more sugar when I wanted to cut out sugar. I don't know if that's your experience as well. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, oh, don't eat sugar that I'd, I'd somehow find my way to sugar. And then I did carnivore and I said, only animal products. It's all I'm going to eat for 30 days is animal products, eggs, cheese, butter, um, meat, chicken, you know, that kind of thing. And what I learned about myself and then doing some research is, you know, it's like the, you have your reticular, your reticular activating system. I think it's here. I don't know where it is that seeks out whatever subject you put in front of it, but it doesn't hear the modifier. So when you say no sugar, it just hears sugar. So you uh. keep pursuing sugar. So when I said only animal products, it doesn't matter only like animal products from my brain. So it was really easy not to ingest sugar or processed okay. foods or flour or anything like that. And I did that for 30 straight days. I, che I, I had one day off because my son's birthday. And then I got back on it for 15 days. I've now incorporated fruit. So I eat fruit with meat. That's kind of what I eat now. Yeah. Every so often I'll have like a piece of cake or, or, or ice cream or something like that. But it's really helped me in focusing on what I will eat instead of explaining what I won't. So yeah. I like that shift. Help. Yeah. Maybe that'll help. We'll yeah. see. Where in your life might you potentially be flirting with disaster? So when I, when I was with the guys up in Madison, I said the same thing. If if I were to if I would have been asked this six months ago, I think it would have been my relationship with Ashley, and because we were kind of going through that uh, spiritual leader, um, you know, who's the spiritual leader of the household, yeah. and there were some other relationship things going on, 
but I'm, I'm happy to say that we've worked through those and her and I are in a really great spot now. And so I, I, it's weird to say that I'm not flirting with disaster in any area of my life, but I, you know, I just need to be grateful for that right now. I always do that on podcasts. Like I don't have an opportunity that I want to share this week. Nothing really jumps up. Like even if there is the same conditions from last week's opportunity to this week's, we talk about like a win and a challenge, not opportunity challenge. Um, I'm like, I just don't feel like I'm in challenge mode, right? I feel good. I'm going to go with it. Right. And that's kind of what you're saying. And I love that you shared though. That's very vulnerable of you, masculine of you to share that this was something that you went through. I thought this was a long time ago. So just recently that you went through with the, the spiritual sort of, you know, leadership challenge. So yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's uh, that's very deep. In what way has GoBundance impacted your life? And what specific way has GoBundance impacted your life? One specific way is just, you know, and this was even before I joined GoBundance, I used to listen to the podcast with Pat and he'd interview all these guys and they talk about being the the patriarch or your family. And what are you going to do to, you know, give your family experiences that they might not be able to do on their own or, or whatever it might be. And so I've really been leaning into that a lot. And, you know, we bought a camper this year so that Ashley, Sammy, and I can go travel around the world, go camping and just Mm -hmm. trying to create those experiences. And uh, we did a trip with my whole family out to Asheville, North Carolina earlier this year. And, you know, I just, I talked to Ashley about it. You know, I I think I just want to take care of the entire Airbnb for everybody so that it just releases some of the pressure that's associated with going on vacation when, you know, some of my family members, when they're on vacation, they're not making money because they're not working and it just makes yeah. it tough. And so I wouldn't have thought that way without GoBundance. And uh, it's it's just cool to to be able to bless people like that. And yeah. I can't wait to do to do more of it in the future. That's something I look forward to. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I love that. What advice would you give to a new or prospective member of a GoBundance community? Just get engaged. Um I, and I don't think this is the GoBundance community. I think this is just community in general. Mm. And so I joined a Rotary Club when I was young, and I wanted to get engaged with uh, the the people of Peoria and the business world. And the first thing I do is I started volunteering. And I would ask myself, like, what can I do to get in front of the entire group so that people know who Brad Stegall is? Mm-hmm. What can I volunteer for? And so I just started saying yes. And then next thing you know, I'm running membership. Shocking, I'm recruiting people to Rotary, right? <laughs> so I'm I'm running a membership uh, a membership drive that got 35 new members in a three month period. I'm I'm literally in front of the entire group every single week, and so not only do they know who I am, they know my name, they see me up there hustling, and so now they know that I'm out there getting things done. And I, I think you need to do the same thing with GoBundance. Yeah. Where is it in GoBundance that you can add value? If if it's on a on a GoPod, how can you add more value in your GoPod than than the other guy? And if there's a regional mastermind, but I, I help coordinate a, a mountain bike um, retreat, yeah. right? Yes. Like, yeah. What can I do to add value to these people? And, and we had a blast. It was so much fun. We had some guys that had mountain bikes forever. Mike actually got his bicycle, both tires off the ground, if you can believe it or not. <laughs> he jumped it. And most importantly, nobody got hurt. But I would just say, just get engaged, go to the regional events, go to the the big ski events, you know, do the things. If you want to be a GoBro, then do the GoBro things. You know, it's funny, something that you did that I did in Michigan and you did it. And again, we're, we're similar, but different in this way. Like I'm more the Mike personality, like, Hey, whatever, bad dad jokes, all of that. I'll admit it. I have those as well. Like you said, you're more detail oriented. You're outgoing. You're, you're, um, you're a community builder, but you're more detail oriented. I should say, but, and you're more detail oriented. So our styles may look different on the surface. If we're in a room, the way we're interacting in that room looks very yeah. different. 
But in Michigan, when I joined, it was me and Brent Flowelling. That was it. When you joined in Peoria, it was you, right? So I talked to guys a lot who were like, oh, who's around me? And I'm like, oh, where are you? You're in, I don't know, you know, Wilmington, Delaware. Like, ah, there's really not anybody around you. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. And I'm like, man, that's an opportunity. So you did that. You built a community in Peoria. Yeah. I built, there's 44 members in Michigan now. 44 members, two of wow. us three years ago, right? So not that they're all me, but like it becomes a force multiplier. Like I, br- I brought in some folks, they brought in some folks. And then, you know, naturally we had some growth from, from, you know, uh, applications and, and stuff like that. But you know, it, you can build a community. That's how you can contribute to your community. Like yeah. build it locally. If it's not local to you yet, build it. You go to the Chicago stuff. I've seen you on boats in the, in the water at uh, what's his name? Imran, Imran. Yeah. Imran's boat. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I love the way you engage. I think, I think that's the, that's the key. It's like, like, you can do what you want with this community, build it, build it in your backyard, go do a bike, uh, a mountain bike event, like j- jump into a, a regional mastermind, go, go bring your pod. A bunch of guys went down to Columbia, uh, not Columbia, uh, uh, Costa Rica recently on a surf trip. That wasn't a GoBundance event, but it was all GoBundance guys, right? D- Dustin Baldwin organized that. So there's so cool. many ways to leverage it. But anyway, final question, GoBundance card game, 10 of diamonds. I don't know if you have any, any exposure to this or if you care, but how will artificial intelligence change the lives of your children or grandchildren? I don't know. <laughs> I, I have very little exposure. We've, we've used it just a very small amount. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to say it's going to change their lives drastically. Yeah. And the way that it's going to change their lives, we, we probably can't even comprehend at this. Do you take that? How about this? Do you look at it as you're afraid of what it's going to change or you're looking at it like, yeah, it's, it's like the car. It's like the, you know, it's, it's like the airplane. It's just an invention. It'll change something. We don't know what it is yet, but it's fine. I I think there are things to be fearful of. And, you know, how is, how's AI going to have a negative impact on my little girl's heart? Right. And how can I protect her from, from those things? Those are the things that I'm worried about. I want to protect her heart. But as far as work and business and, and how it's going to change the real estate investing world as a whole, I'm not too worried about that. I just want to make sure that, that she's protected. Yeah. If on that point, there's the voice technology scares me. Yeah. Imagine she gets a call from what sounds like daddy to go here, uh-huh. right? And she's like, my dad just called like, you know, that's the, that's the stuff that, that's the stuff that freaks me out a little bit. So we'll we'll keep cell phones out of their hands for as long as possible. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) Brad, man, I appreciate this. Where can people learn more about you, the Belize project, anything you want to direct folks to? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I'm the balance Brad. And so you can find me out there. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And uh, if if you're interested in Belize and learning more about that, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I think we're going to start fundraising for that in September. And so it's going to be a blast and look forward to meeting you go bros at uh, the next event. I'll be in Vermont for sure. Skiing. I'll be there. I'll be there as well. Already booked my flick, my ticket. So appreciate it, man. Thanks for diving in on everything. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie.